Have you ever thought about using acquisition as a growth strategy at your landscaping company, but you were worried that it was too big or too expensive or some other reason why you couldn't do it? Well, today I interview some landscapers who have acquired a 55,000 square foot stone supply business as a means of diversifying their landscape company and how their mindset around investment has helped them make it possible. You know, as landscapers, you're always investing in your equipment and your people and material. And I love their mindset around how they used acquisition to grow. Plus, they have a marketing director and a technology director. So what does a technology director do at a landscaping company? And what kind of software uh, is this person implementing? Check out today's episode to find out. We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our, our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're going to increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year. Hey everyone, welcome to the Landscaper's Guide to Modern Sales and Marketing podcast. I'm your host, Jack Jostis, and today I'm excited to interview Joe Stark. He's a repeat guest. You may have heard him in the past talking about how his company uses a CRM to grow their sales. And today he's with Adam Swank, who's the technology director. They work together at Groundworks Land Design. And today I want to talk about acquisition as a growth strategy. Groundworks Land Design is a commercial and residential landscape company in Cleveland, Ohio, who just completed the acquisition of a 55,000 square foot stone supply company. So Adam, Joe, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks for having us, Jack. Happy to be here. So we've been, you know, keeping in touch mainly via social media and email for a while. And um, one email led to this conversation and I saw your press release. So tell me a little bit about this acquisition. Yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a mouthful and it was a long press release, but um, really uh, super excited to introduce to all your listeners uh, and some of your viewers uh, that we're proudly now part of the Granite Work Stone Design team. So Tony Nazarella, the owner of Groundworks Land Design, has always been an opportunist. He's always been, you know, had that entrepreneurial background and always looking for ways to provide more revenue streams to his current landscaping business. Uh, and this opportunity came about and he just couldn't pass it up. Uh, here in Cleveland, we can only work about 100 days of the year because, of course, the cold winter months, um, you know, provide a challenge when it comes to trying to work outside. Uh, and we really thought that uh, eventually getting our ways into the interior space of, you know, the residential and commercial accounts that we work on was the next step. Originally, we were very interested in the building itself, but the specific deal was, hey, it's the building and the company or nothing at all. And like I had mentioned, um, it was kind of the stars aligning, really. It's, okay, well, if we take the company, it's a granite, marble, quartz, quartzite company. We're using that product already in our beautiful outdoor spaces. And it's also, again, an opportunity to, you know, get, get inside the customer's home and continue to work and continue to, you know, create larger projects for them. Tell me a little more about the stone supply aspect of the business. How much of it, how much of that business is actually doing installations inside people's homes and how much of it is just providing supply to maybe even other landscapers or other contractors? 
Yeah, no, I'm really glad you asked that. So it allows us to be a vendor and an installator, right? So here in our hyper-local market, there's not many people that do what we do, but there's there's three things that we offer as a stone supplier. So not only are we a showroom and a warehouse where you can come walk through the aisles and see all the beautiful large slabs of stone, we also fabricate in-house. So, you know, I'm looking out the office window right now, seeing the guys polishing and templating using machines and, you know, the water saws. Uh, and then thirdly, we install. So the moment they're done templating it to the exact dimensions, we have installs crews that go out to site and install right away. And that's rare in our area because a lot of the large suppliers, they're really just wholesalers, right? So you would have to go pick out a stone slam slab from somewhere else uh, mm -hmm. and you'd have to ship it using logistics and more money to a place that templates, fabricates and installs. So we call ourselves a full service stone supplier, meaning we're supplying, fabricating and installing. And we can do that. We're averaging about three weeks right now. Mm -hmm. so. Wow, that that's incredible. And so how much overlap is there with the existing landscape market? Um, for your, I'm assuming, well, actually probably your, your commercial landscape clients as well, um, are probably buying stone as well. Yeah. And actually we're, we're seeing it more in residential specifically, just mm -hmm. so many outdoor living spaces when allow us to, but it's funny. And that's kind of where we started to notice this overlap that was going to happen because we used to buy our stone from this supplier right here who we now own. Right. Um, on our outdoor kitchens, on our, you know, countertops, you know, the customers that want the drastic bars right next to their swimming pools. So we saw it happening already. And quite frankly, this now allows us to be our own supply chain. We're not going elsewhere. We're not going outside and having to pay more money and the markups to get the stone. We're using our own supplies, which is a pretty neat thing to see. I love it. And uh, so what were, what were some of the what went well during the acquisition that you can share? And maybe what were some of the challenges? I definitely want Adam to talk a little bit about this because he played yeah. a huge role in the operations, but I will say quickly, um, we rebranded, acquired, and made the announcement all at the same time. So don't quote me on this statistic, but I heard something, I think it was in Forbes, that somewhere between like 74% of companies that recently acquire another company, they don't touch, change, rock the boat, and definitely don't rebrand or change the name of the company they acquired for two years. So 24 months that everything is staying exactly the same. And that gives, you know, the company that just purchased the new business 24 months to kind of get everything together. This happened very, very quick. We had been talking to the company since April, but when it really got down to the nitty gritty, it, uh, it moved very fast and due to a, a number of reasons, um, we thought it would be best from a reputation standpoint to rebrand immediately. So I think the biggest struggle that uh, marketing saw or uh, you know, just the public saw was, hey, first we need to get the name out there that this is now you know, part of our business model, but two, we're also introducing this new name to the public so, you know, going back to all the notes that are in your book, you know, the Google My Business, all of the major social channels, the SEO, mm -hmm. all of that had been picked up and was recognizing the old name. So on top 
of also trying to get some steam for for just making the announcement we also had to do it properly and strategically because we had to announce including this new name which is granite workstone design i was actually just looking at google maps and it looks like you're going to have two google listings right so you've got groundworks land design and then we've got granite works stone design and is that the plan is to keep them they're different brands right they're different so two different entities but all working under the same kind of managerial financial system which we can talk about in a little bit but um the master plan that we haven't even talked about when i was mentioning moving facilities is you want both businesses, both Groundworks and Granite Works, to operate under the same roof, which is this new building that we acquired, the 55,000 square foot facility. So we had to jump back and forth and learn a little bit uh, more than we wanted to about how Google My Business works and verify tax <laughs> ID and all of that. Yeah. But, okay. So you've got two different Google listings and they're under the umbrella of a new company. But before we get to that, or maybe this is part of it, what were some of the challenges of the acquisition? So one was around marketing and um, you must have some really ambitious marketing director who's like, hey, we're getting this all done right away, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a lot of work to do with all the digital stuff, the print. Do you have signage out there? We have temporary signage, but even Temporary that signage, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, what were some of the other hard parts about the acquisition that, you're realizing uh really honestly getting when you're walking into a new business you know, everybody operates with their own kind of style and functionality so coming in getting a grasp of how the business was run um and really taking the pieces and parts that have really made our business of groundwork successful and trying to implement those so you know lots of times in order to to, to know to, have to fix a problem you've got to really address it and find what it is um and lots of times that isn't easy Lots of people have to kind of admit things that they failed in in the past, and then we've got to really admit some other failures. So it's it's a team effort. It's a lot of you know digging in and finding some skeletons in the closet, so to speak. But you get through it, and once you've got that, you've got a much better understanding of the business, and then really a path forward to, to grow it the way that you want. Excellent. And um, I'm curious how many how many employees worked at the at the Stone business and like what do you what's going to happen there you know it seems like did they know this was coming or was it all of a sudden like hey everyone starting today we're this new company and like i'm your new boss like what how was that right you know so it sounds like the the marketing rollout was was fast how did the internal communication go yeah i mean we we try to be as transparent as possible uh and obviously there were many meetings that Tony were a part of that Adam and I even were a part of, right? I mean, everyone's just trying to keep up and stay in their lane. Uh, but we made an effort to communicate with the current staff uh, and the previous staff as much as possible. Uh, and since we had been in conversation since April, Tony, the owner of the company, kind of had the luxury to stop by and visit quite a bit, uh, introduce himself, learn almost you know work with the old owner in in almost an apprentice way uh but to answer your question there were 11 staff members when we acquired the company and we retained nine of them so it was never in our game plan to come in here and and you know just you know clean house um quite honestly like the experience that some of these folks have is the most valuable you know part of the business right now i think the 
Uh, least amount of time spent here on any of those nine employees is six years. And I think the most is either 12 or 14. But yep. I, I mean, these people have quite a bit of experience with um, the stone industry. Uh, and again, I mean, we came in and we wanted to better the model that we currently have, right? We had done a lot of market research and just kind of looking at the numbers, looking at the market, and then looking at our amazing reputation that we have and the credibility that we have with Groundworks. It was one of those fist to forehead moments where it's like, we could be doing a lot better. They could be doing a lot better. So Mm -hmm. the idea was to just apply our current systems, our current SOPs, and really just accelerate what was already happening. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, I've been through a couple of acquisitions in the past, and one of the hardest things to go through is getting company buy-in from the organization. Um, lots of times they have you know, bad tastes in their mouth from being bought out, and you know, who are these guys? But because of the reputation that we have, to, to Joe's point, they were they were thrilled. They were excited for the change in ownership, which made your earlier questions, one of, you know, the better, better things that I noticed through the acquisition that was, that was really good is their buy-in, their ability to, to get into the systems that we wanted to, to implement uh, and just the excitement. I mean, we have people telling us a week in the acquisition that they've been here 16 years and this was the best day of work they've had. And that that's awesome. Awesome. And, you know, it, it changed the whole culture and vibe just by the shift in ownership and, and, having some trust and confidence in the people coming in. And Adam, you're the technology director. I don't, you know, I don't know a lot of landscape companies that have a technology director. So can you tell me a little bit um, for people who haven't heard of you all, whatever you're comfortable sharing as far as revenue, number of employees, and what is it, what does a technology director do at a landscape company? Sure. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's different. I mean, I think you're seeing a lot more of the technology roles develop and emerge in the landscaping uh, just industry, you know, it, it's interesting where I believe it was the, the, the commerce department for the government ran a report a couple of years ago about technology adoption in, in major industries and landscaping was second to last only to farming. Hmm. So needless hmm. to say, lots of, lots of gains that can be made uh, in this space and, you know, operating in the service industry margins are everything. So being able to leverage technology, reduce those margins. And if it's five minutes here, three minutes there, over the course of a year, these things really add up. And if you really want to get to that point where you want to scale uh, and really grow and, you know, the point of this, uh, this podcast with the mentions of the acquisitions, you're not really going to be able to move in and acquire people unless you've got a good game plan to implement and really push that to a successful place. So it's, it's a lot of, putting in systems that are more than just band-aids, making things that are long-term solutions and really put, putting things in a scalable uh, process that are easy to adopt. And, and so what are, what are some of the technologies that you're using over there that maybe um, Groundworks wasn't using five years ago that you're using now that are, that are essential to growth? Sure. One of the things that uh, top of mind is just HubSpot. HubSpot is a great CRM tool. I've used it a lot in my other startups that I work for. Uh, it keeps things just, it's the single source of truth with Joe's heard me say, you know, over and over and over again, but having, you know, a place of information where you can go to time and time again, that, you know, you're going to get what you're looking for. You don't have to bounce around between two different systems. They, you know, it speaks with your email, it speaks with your scheduling. So that, that's been really big, um, you know, client communication just in and out of that tool. It's much, much more advanced. And I think what a lot of people are getting in the space. 
uh, and it's pretty simple to use. You know, on top of that, we've also internally implemented Slack, which mm -hmm. is a great way for people just to communicate. You know, lots of times it's it's text messages, people walking over to one another computers. Um, so having Slack, being able to share files that way is pretty, you know, it's, it's been big for, for a few people particularly. And then moving into like the shared uh, cloud storage. So really implementing in SharePoint and OneDrive, getting people bought in into, into that system and being able to share documents and files and drawings, uh, you know, being able to access things outside just through your phone. So it just, it's really tuning up and creating efficient processes and what we're already doing and just kind of laying over technology on top of it, just to make everyone's life a little easier and be able to track that information. And then we can take that and really make some better business decisions down the road. What about landscape specific software? Are there any, are there, you know, cause those are just general business. I mean, HubSpot, Slack, and OneDrive could be at any company. Um, what about on the landscape or I'm, I'm really curious about stone supply. Um, do you just have one giant Excel spreadsheet at the stone yard or what, what's, how do you manage inventory with a 55,000 square foot facility? Yeah, you know, you hit a nail on the head. It's Excel, Excel spreadsheet. Well, we, we speak in the landscaping <laughs> side. We, when I came on board, um, two of the things that we implemented were uh, Vectorworks landmark. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. That's uh, it's a landscape design uh, visualization tool, which uh, I think is really change the way that we're able to deliver uh, our drawings to our clients uh, and really just kind of move more towards uh, really the BIM model, having that information within those drawings, being able to extract that out uh, and provide that to the clients has really been kind of a robust feature for us. And then we've also brought in uh, something called Site Audit Pro, which is just a, a basic app that we use for a checklist and walkthroughs for some of our projects. So if we've got one of our comp managers looking through one of our maintenance counts and they see, you know, an issue with, you know, someone left a weed in the bed that they should have pulled, he's able to quickly snap a shot of that, circle it, send it to a guy, create a report. Um, they've got a picture of it, a little notation, and the next time they're out there, they know where to go to get it. And uh, so those, those are two kind of quick hitters that have really made a big impact on us that we, we started using. Um, and they're pretty fun tools. So, you know, this, this idea of acquiring another company, let alone a 55,000 square foot stone yard, um, just is, it probably seems way too big for a lot of people, right? But, but maybe it's not. Talk to me a little bit about some of the mindset that maybe our audience could be having around acquiring. What are, what are maybe some of the fears that, that you're either you all had or that you're aware people have around acquisitions and how do you overcome them? So, you know, I think, you know, with, with acquisitions, I mean, it's, it's a big investment, right? And that's really ultimately how you have to look at it. Uh, if you look at it as a gamble, it's not going to work. But picking and choosing the acquisitions, making sure that you have the synergies with your business, um, then you mean everything is not necessarily going to work out. But if you do the planning, the, the, the market research, like we were talking about, making sure that the space and the opportunity for growth is there. Um, and as long as you, you trust your process, it should work out, but you mean you can't go and make stupid business decisions and you can't have people in place that aren't going to get you where you need to go. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not something that you can just go in and, and go willy nilly with. It takes a lot of research, a lot of understanding, a lot of market research, particularly. But I mean, if you have your ducks in a row, if you feel confident in the business, if you see the opportunity there and there's the, the growth, I mean, you really just need to go for it.
Because, I mean, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And uh, Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, I mean, it's just having the confidence and making sure that you've got the information that you need to make those decisions. And I have a couple adds to that as well. I feel like the term acquisition is is intimidating, and it can be. But at the end of the day, you know, in our industry, we know that we're making investments every year. You have to make an investment on a new uh, machine. You have to make investments in workers because when you invest, that's how you ultimately make more. And at the end of the day, an acquisition is just another investment. It can have any price tag you want on it, but if you treat it just like another investment, you're going to hopefully reap those benefits. Yeah, I like that. Reframing it as a as an investment for sure. Um, what was it that was the main reason you decided to do this? I know that there's you know, part of it was you were saying you were outgrowing your current space. So one of it is now you actually have 55,000 square feet of, of real estate. I think it's only a few miles from your, your other headquarters, right? Like five, five miles or something. Maybe, maybe three, <laughs> maybe three, right? So it's right down the street. So that's convenient. What was the number one reason that ultimately was like, yeah, this is the reason we're doing this. So I think something we haven't touched on yet, which I'm shocked we haven't, is we're here diversifying. Uh, we're diversifying our portfolio. We're able to speak to new supply chains, new vendors, new clients, and we're just uncovering an entire new world that we were limited to through landscaping. So I think mm-hmm. a note to touch on is uh, again, we're, we're diversifying and we're really at the end of the day, able to offer more to our current client, but new doors are opening to create new clients as well. And at the end of the day, I mean, we we're doing this because we want to make more money. Something we talk about a lot in our management meetings and our strategy meetings is, you know, we have the lawn and landscape magazine and the LM magazine, uh, top 100 or top 150, on our desks, on our walls, in emails, mm-hmm. and Tony repeatedly says, we're going to be a top 150. We're going to be a top 150. And anytime we kind of hit these milestones or anytime we you know, have a really good year, it's always in that attitude of we're one step closer to being a 150 company. And mm-hmm. again, an investment or an acquisition can immediately help that revenue stream help that bottom line and, you know, forsake a conversation and get us closer to that top 150. How will you celebrate when you're, when you're in the top 150? <laughs> buy another business. <laughs> buy another business. Just keep yeah. going. Yeah. But it, but um, speaking of money, you know, the name of the new company, right. That's overarching all of this is GW capital, right? So tell me a little bit, what is GW capital and how does it fit into all of this? Sure. So GW Capital is essentially a management and financial company, and it's almost serves as, you know, the overarching umbrella company or the operating company to these two businesses, which are Groundworks and GraniteWorks. When we were starting to plan this out, again, from the marketing and branding side of things, we wanted to be smart, strategic, and not confuse too many people because, you know, it wasn't really Groundworks buying Granite Works or vice versa, right? The, the, you know, big picture plan is to hopefully have a couple more companies. And as you start adding additional entities, things can get a little bit, you know, 
crosshaired and foggy and oh wait so this sister company is this sister company and you know so we thought let's just establish you know kind of the parent company right now and then as we continue to hopefully acquire or as we continue to just operate as these two entities that we have at least we know there's kind of a parent organization that's uh, overseeing it uh, helping fund it and so on and so forth I think it's just exciting that you know, we're going to be able to, to be as agile as, as we are. So being able to move quickly and you know, operate with both businesses, it's just, it's fun and it's going to make our ability to, to scale things that much easier. Well, good. Well, I think, you know, just kind of wrap up here. I, I think one of the things that I'm observing in the green industry right now is more investment in marketing and in technology and the way that you were talking about it earlier as a, as a way of getting leverage or, um, you know, helping your staff do what they need to do in a faster, more organized, more profitable way is, is something that I think you're doing well. And it's something that I'm seeing in a lot of successful companies that have a, a marketing director or a technology director. And, um, so thanks for coming on the show and just sharing some of what, what you're up to before we wrap up. Do you have any questions for me? Ooh, the famous question. Well, I actually wanted to, uh, I wanted to at least congratulate you. We, we missed GIE this year because of everything that was taking place, but um, congrats on the second book and thanks for sending one my way. I read your first one in like, I think a week, uh, but I, it looked like that book launch was, was a really fun time and Louisville is one of my favorite cities and it looked like you did it right. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a we had the stump game. We had people playing the tree stump game, and I'm glad you enjoyed the first book. This next one, uh, is, or the new one, is super specific to the green industry. So my first book, you know, I was thinking back, was about I, I mentioned tire shops and Chinese restaurants, and <laughs> you know, it was all kinds of local businesses. I actually completely rewrote this one from scratch. It's the Tree of Good Fortune, the Landscaper's Guide to Modern Sales and Marketing. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, folks listening, you can grab one at treeofgoodfortune.com. And um, I, I have a section in there about how to have a marketing coordinator. And uh, actually the marketing coordinator I interviewed is now the marketing manager at that company. So again, I think there's a lot of things that the green industry um, it's, it's so amazing how much it's changed in the last, I've been going to Louisville for, I think this would have, would be my fifth year last year. It didn't happen. Right. So th I guess this was my fourth expo and man, the industry has changed a lot in four years in terms of technology, software, sales, marketing systems. So it's really interesting and it's always great to connect with people like you guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you got some value. And if you did, leave me a review wherever you're listening to this. If it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, leave a review, help other people in the industry find out about this show. My name is Jack Jostis, and I look forward to talking with you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.